First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. I think the main point in this paragraph is verse 7, and I direct your attention there. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, there are four words or phrases in that verse that I want us to zero in on. Number one, the phrase, each one. To each one is given. That's you. And so you should turn this on and not off now. You are being addressed and something staggering is being said about your life here. You are, by the work of God, a manifestation of the Spirit. So tune in now. This is you. Number two, the word Spirit. To each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit. That's God, not you, that's God. The same God who brooded over the waters in Genesis 1-2 and worked to bring this whole universe into being and make it and you what you are. Number three, the word manifestation. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. That's the connection between you and God. A manifestation through you to each other from God, the Spirit. Don Carson wrote a whole book on these three chapters, chapter 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians, and he titled the book, Showing the Spirit. He took that from this verse, 7. 
And that's an exactly right title for the whole three chapters, for the whole Bible, for the whole universe, I think. Showing God, showing the Spirit is what church is all about. You have gifts, you have ministries, you have various levels of effectiveness for this reason. Manifestation of God. That's point number three. Number four is the word common good. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now think about it. Think, think about that last point. Think about this point together. This is a foundational pillar in the temple of our biblical theology at Bethlehem. Namely, the passion and the quest to manifest God and the passion and the quest to do good to people are not two. They are one. If you want to do good to people, manifest God to them. The Spirit. And if you want to know this God and experience His manifestation in your life, do not go out in the woods and hide. And neglect the interdependency of the body of Christ. Rather, draw near to do good to another and you will know God. You will experience a manifestation from God. They are not two. They are one. The quest to glorify the Spirit and the quest to do good to people are one quest. Now, I want to take these four one at a time and unpack them for a few minutes from this context. Let's go back to the first one. Each one. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, who is that? I, I gave you the benefit of the doubt a minute ago and said, it's you. And I believe that for the great majority in this room. But let me give you a test so that you can answer for yourself. Is that me? Do I count there? I mean, this is an awesome thing that the Spirit of God who made the universe would come to you and give you a manifestation of himself that others might benefit. What a meaning for life. What a destiny for 70 or 80 or 90 years. I mean, if that's true, this will make all the difference in the world for you. So check yourself now. Is that me? Here's the way to check yourself. Let's go back to verses two and three. I believe these two verses give an insight, give an opening into the identity of the each one of verse 7. Let's read verses 2 and 3. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to dumb idols. That is, idols who can't talk, don't have any message. However you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a negative thing said here about these people, what they were, and a positive thing said about what they are by virtue of the work of the Holy Spirit. The negative thing is all of us before the Spirit came in our lives, 
used to go out after things. Things. Job, family, sex, money, various compulsions and addictions, prestige, houses, lands, vacations. We just hungered more. Give us more. Satisfy me. They were our idols and they were dumb. They did not have any message of salvation. They didn't have any message of hope. They couldn't say anything to you that would help you die. And that's the way it was. We might have been six years old. We might have been 36 years old when the Spirit moved. And when He moved, Jesus became Lord of our lives. That's what this verse says, verse 3. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Now, if you're a critical thinker, you're sitting there saying, I could. And I could get a hundred people downtown if I gave them five dollars to say Jesus is Lord. And if that were just you talking, I might say, well, what do you know? But Matthew and Jesus said that also. Matthew 7:22 says, Jesus says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many mighty miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So sure, you can say Jesus is Lord without the spirit and not be God's and not even know Christ. Of course you can say the words. Of course you can go through all kinds of religious activities. So when I come back here to verse 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? I think it means very simply, and mean it. That's all. Nobody can say Jesus is Lord and mean it. He's not talking about the blabbing of the lips while you're under hypnosis or doing it for a wage. He means mean it. Nobody can say Jesus is Lord and mean it, which simply means nobody can live like Jesus is Lord. That is, do what he says and think what he thinks and feel what he feels and practice your whole life, your work, your family, your vacations under the Lordship of Jesus. You can't do that without the Holy Spirit. Only by virtue of the mighty working of the transforming Holy Spirit can a person say, Jesus is my Lord and mean it. The people in verse 7, the each one who have the manifestation of the Spirit are people who live under and by the Lordship of Jesus in their lives. The Holy Spirit, according to John 16, 14, was sent to glorify Jesus. And you remember that text? So important from 2 Corinthians 3, 18, that says, And we all, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord Jesus, are being changed from one degree of glory to another into His likeness, this comes from the Spirit, who is the Lord. So the Spirit 
is back there directing us to the Lord. That's the main ministry of the Holy Spirit. Underline the word main. I'm coming back to that. If you want to know, am I included in verse seven in the each one? Simply ask, is Jesus your Lord, your master, your guide, your refuge? If he is, you are. If he isn't, you aren't. And that can change right now in the twinkling of an eye. Because he's here and he's moving. You wouldn't be listening the way you're listening if you weren't moving. He wants you. Number two, the Spirit. First, each one, now the Spirit. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, if we went to verse 13, we could say, well, we were baptized in the Spirit and therefore we have been Immersed in the Spirit. We had a great baptismal service right in the baptismal pool that I'm standing on here last Sunday night. And the nine people that were baptized went all the way under the water and came up and they were soaked. They were totally surrounded. Every inch of their body was wet. And that's a picture of how you dive into the Spirit when you get saved. Not only that, in verse 13, it also says that you drink. We all drank the Holy Spirit. And I think that the reason Paul uses these two images, being baptized into the Holy Spirit and drinking the Holy Spirit, is because he just wants to say he's outside and he's inside. He's everywhere. He is all over you. You walk and you live in the sphere of the Spirit. He's on you. And when you drink him, he fills you. That's why Paul said, don't get drunk with wine. But get drunk, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Drink Him. Jesus said, come unto me and drink. The water that I will give you will be in you a well of living water, welling up to eternal life. This He spoke of the Holy Spirit. So we have drunk Him in and He fills us and we dove into the Holy Spirit and He's all over us. But I want to look at verse 11, not verse 13. One and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one, there you are again, individually as He wills. Now, there are two emphases in that verse I want to stress about the Spirit. Number one is that the diversity in this room right now of gifts and ministries and levels of effectiveness is owing not primarily to you, but to God, the Spirit. He is the source in all of his unity of all this diversity. This is stressed again and again and again in these uh, verses. Look at verse four, for example. Now, there are varieties of gifts and the same spirit. Verse five, there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effect, but the same God. So you get the impression variety is not coming from a variety of God. Variety of spirits is coming from one spirit, Lord God. Look in verse eight, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another, the word of knowledge, according to the same spirit 
to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the one spirit. You can't miss the point. He's saying there is variety, yes, but it is all owing to unity in him, in the spirit. The variety in this church of gifts and ministries and levels of effectiveness is not primarily owing to your genes. It's not primarily owing to your experience, how you were brought up. It's not primarily owing to levels of your obedience or your faith. It's owing to God, to the Spirit, which is the second emphasis now, the sovereignty of the Spirit in giving these things. At the end of verse 11, one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, here's the key phrase, just as He wills. So He's in us, He's on us, and He rules us, He's over us. He's over the church and he is giving individually gifts and ministries and effectivenesses as he will, not as we will, as he will. He is sovereign over the church. He's God. He is the spirit of the father. He is the spirit of the son and the three together. Father, son and Holy Spirit have one perfect united will. And it is manifest. In the church. Now, that word manifest leads us to the third phrase, manifestation. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit. That's a fancy word. What's a common word? Showing, revealing, bringing to light. The reason the Spirit of God has given gifts and ministries and effectiveness variously to each person in this room who knows him is that he might be shown at Bethlehem. That the Spirit might become visible at Bethlehem. That we might see the Spirit move and be able to say, that's the Spirit. Now, as I thought about this word, manifestation of the Spirit, variously among us all, it just hit me yesterday that I have overstated something in the past, and I didn't realize what was being said here to balance out an overstatement. I've taken that verse from John 16:14, when the Spirit comes, He will glorify me, Jesus says, and that text from 2 Corinthians 3.18, looking to the Lord, and this comes from the Spirit. And I have said with many, many people that the second person of the Trinity is a self-effacing person. And he always puts the Lord Jesus forward. And his ministry is to establish the Lordship of Jesus in the church. And therefore, he is not to be focused on directly, but only through Jesus. And I said that is the main work, and I don't want to withdraw that statement, but it isn't the only work. And it isn't the only way that the Spirit is to be related to. And verse 7, I believe, makes that clear. Namely, to each one is given a manifestation, not of Jesus, but of the Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit wants to be manifest. The Holy Spirit wants to be shown. The Holy Spirit wants to be visible. He is a person. Yes, He's humble. Yes, He is self-effacing. Yes, He puts the Lord Jesus forward. Yes, His main ministry is the exaltation of the second person of the Trinity. But that's not all He is. He is God. And when we sing on the overhead here, Father, I love You. Glorify Your name. Spirit or Jesus, I love You. Glorify Your name. When we get to Spirit, I love you. Glorify your name. Do you choke on that theologically? I've seen churches rewrite that. Glorify his name. Not your name, but his name. To keep it just right theologically so that he is the one who honors Jesus, not himself. We don't have to do that, I don't believe, on the basis of verse 7. You don't have to rewrite that song. It is not wrong to say to the Holy Spirit, I love you. I submit to you. I admire you. I honor you. I adore you. I want this world to have a manifestation of you as well as the Son and as well as the Father. That's what I got yesterday that I had never seen before. He's God. He's God. The other thing I see here is that the work of the church is a a thoroughly supernatural work. I'm so glad as I look around Bethlehem, as I go to elders meetings, as I stop in on moms or as I go to various gatherings. There's a wonderful spiritual temperature about so many meetings and people at Bethlehem. Now, I've been in churches where the efficiency of human effort is so refined and the prayers are so mechanical, if present at all, that one is tempted to think this verse is being written not to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit, but from each one is offered a manifestation of human effort. It's just well done. And that, that you come away with the impression, not that... The Spirit is being manifested in that church with power and supernatural shaking, but rather, it's a well-oiled machine. I don't want that. I don't want that. That would be a failure at Bethlehem. If it was a well-oiled machine that grew by virtue of our effort and did everything just so, so that all of the oilers got the credit. It would be a failure. No matter how many books would write it up, no matter how many people would visit from out of town, no matter whether we got into the newspaper, it would be a failure. The work of the church is a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit or it is a prostitution of its calling. And so I encourage you, whatever you do, do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Finally, the phrase common good. We've seen each one. We've seen spirit. We've seen manifestation. And finally, briefly, the common good. To each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So let me say what I said at the beginning. 
You do not have to choose between the goal of wanting to manifest the Spirit in your life and do good to people in your life. In fact, if you try to choose, you will fail on both. The world outside the Christian sphere tries to do good for each other. And they succeed at doing much good temporally and no good eternally. And when you anesthetize people to the eternal good by doing them much temporal good, you do them no good. Does that make sense? So the world knows that we're supposed to do good, and they try, and they do much good, and numb out people to eternity. On the other hand, there are professing Christians who aren't emphasizing that and who want manifestations of God, manifestations of the Spirit, and they'll do anything they can to get these manifestations but if they're off by themselves having their little trip with God and not bending it out to others, doing them good, they don't know God. They don't know the living God because the God of this text is a God that when He is known, is known in community. He's known in doing good to others. He is known as a manifestation that does good to people. And so, if you choose, you fail. In the church, both should be succeeding. It's the one place where they can succeed. If it doesn't happen here, it won't happen anywhere. Namely, the knowing of God in full supernatural manifestation and the doing of good to people. The way to do good to people is to show them God in all the way He is and He cares about every level of their needs. And the way to know God is to seek Him in doing good to other people. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we are bold now to pray directly to You for a moment and say, You are God. We love You for the way You exalt Jesus in our lives. And we love Him because You exalt Him and reveal Him in our lives. But we love You because You are the great lover of the church. And that according to Your sovereign, wise and good and loving will, You give gifts and ministries and effectiveness to the church. And we humble ourselves before You and we bow before You, Holy Spirit. And we adore You and admire You and obey you move among us we give you permission we ask that you would manifest yourself as well as the Lord Jesus and the Father to us through us for the common good and we pray it in the name of the Lord Jesus Amen